You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning, Harvest. I just want to welcome you to part two of Creating an Atmosphere for Miracles. Last week, I unpacked uh, just the idea that, that God, has, God has intention for our lives, that God wants to work on the earth. And God wants to do so much work on the earth that the earth, the world, can't contain what God wants to do. That the earthly mind is so limited to what God wants to do that, that we can't understand it. And so John talked about it as books, as books in a, in a library. I believe we're the book. And today, as we unpack, we're the book that has the potential. I want to just unpack this idea of what happens now, this multiplication process, this principle of heaven, that when heaven's reign comes on my, my life, when I come into the presence of God, when heaven visits earth, something takes place that multiplies, multiplies, multiplies what's already in my life. It doesn't add to it, it multiplies it. Let's just pray. Father, I pray that you would give us grace to understand why it is that miracles actually create a multiplication, that it's built in, that when heaven touches earth, there is a multiplication. The seed produces fruit and fruit produces seed that produces fruit that produces seed. Lord, as we unlock the truths of your word today, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to expect even more than we've expected before. Lord, in a Harvest Christian Fellowship in Cornwall and Region, we say, come Lord, we're not going forward without you. We want to be a part of the reign of heaven falling in this region. Come on, let's get to the word this morning. Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who, who gets an incre- incredible miracle. And um, she has had, had her period literally for 12 years. She's hemorrhaging. She is suffering greatly for 12 years. In fact, the Bible says she's exhausted all of her physical resources to try to get help. And there, there has been no help. And she's moving through a crowd and reaches out and simply uh, just touches the hem of Jesus' robe as he walks by. And she's instantaneously healed. And Jesus goes from there to meet with a 12-year-old little girl who had just passed away from an illness. Um, And so she's just laying there dead and the mourners have gathered. And Jesus said, no, don't, no worries. I I can handle death too. And he he speaks to her and she's raised from the dead. (laughs) And if that's not enough, it's like just, oh, everyday miracles happening here where Jesus is, like crazy stuff. And then he walks into chapter six and he's ministering to 5,000 men. It's just, just how they counted people back then. He is the, the kind of the head of a household. Um, and so 5,000 men, probably 5,000 women, and then children. So, I mean, I don't know, 10, 12, 14,000 people. But 5,000 men the way they would have counted in that day. And, uh, and they're hungry. <laughs> and somebody just happened to bring along a lunch that consisted of five dinner rolls and two fish. And it almost is laughable. And Jesus said, well, I can, I can do something with that. 
and he does a multiplication miracle, which is another story and another sermon, because I just want to say it this way, though. Miracles always create multiplication, always. Miracles always create multiplication in every way imaginable. Let that just get into your spirit, and we'll talk about it as we go, and I'll allude to it today. Miracles always create multiplication, that was, and vast multiplication, not a little bit, a lot. So he sits them down and he does a miracle and these fish and these loaves multiply in a crazy fashion. Everybody gets fed and there's some left over. But in between all of that, and we can't miss the story, is that Jesus walks into Nazareth, his hometown. And where I'm going with this is I want you to be thinking about how do we create and why do we need to create an atmosphere that's conducive to miracles. And, and, and this is why it's so important. That as we gather together and we enjoy the presence of God, it's not enough just to enjoy His presence, but if I can say this way, we need to leverage His presence. It's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. It's there to do something. It's, it's there on assignment. Um, and we need to understand this. So, Jesus comes, His presence comes into Nazareth physically. And, um, and so they start talking and they're going, Jesus the miracle worker? What? <laughs> What? No, they, they, they're, they're talking about it. And the dialogue is, is kind of like this. Um, I don't know about you, but even almost 40 years after high school, I'm super interested about where a lot of people who kind of fell off the map and I, I've moved into my hometown, I, I don't know where they are. And from time to time, I either on Facebook or through social media discover somebody that I haven't talked to or seen or even followed up with their story, and I love doing it, and I've done that. I've did, I, I did it recently. I caught up with a classmate that I hadn't talked to for, for literally almost 40 years, and uh, we chatted and caught up. And uh, I don't know if you've had this happen, but um, I've also seen where people have become super successful. <laughs> and I laugh because it was like they were the last person in the classroom that ever would have, in my mind or in your mind, become super successful. Now, you know, the, those that, that we kind of figured, we voted them, most likely to become a doctor, most likely to become a lawyer. They just, they got high academic marks. I'm just talking about ordinary people. And, and I, I, I'm aware of someone in my class that went on to be a Fortune 500 CEO that is a stinking millionaire, multi-times over. <laughs> But my first thought was, why? No, 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 no. <laughs> because I know that person in a context that's not the context that they found a place where they're doing life in a way that is very successful. Now, that's the context. That these people grew up with Jesus in a way that he's nice guy Jesus. That, oh, By the way, Jesus was a business owner. He had a carpentry shop. His father had passed away. He started the carpentry shop. And uh, maybe Jesus fixed your wagon wheel. If you came with a broken wooden spoke, and he would have fixed your wagon wheel. And, and so their context in Nazareth, their hometown, their local carpenter, not, he, he, oh, well, he fixed my wagon wheel. He was a miracle worker there. But miracle worker, son of God, Messiah, no. And so there isn't an atmosphere of belief there's not an atmosphere of expectation in Nazareth. And it took a toll. Because it said that when Jesus was there, and he wasn't received as Son of God, miracle-working, Spirit of God, uh, here, God in the flesh, um, 
that what took place was this. It says, and because of, because of their unbelief, because they didn't create an atmosphere of faith, that was there when the woman reached out and got healed. That was there amongst the people who were hungry. That was there when, when the little girl was raised from the dead. Because of their unbelief, he could not do. So it implies that there is a partnership that God can have his hands tied, so to speak, when it comes to the miraculous. He could not do, because of people's unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them. Well, except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And Mark completely downplays a few people getting healed. I don't know if you've thought about that, but I, I've kind of thought, well, if Jesus came and did a few healings at harvest, I wouldn't downplay that. I would celebrate it and go, wow. Because a few is more than none. <laughs> a few is more than one. A few is more than two. Like, like, I would be super grateful for a few healings, but you've got to see it, what Mark is downplaying is that unbelief said that written in the book that day, written in a bunch of volumes of the book, was there was a whole bunch more miracles that God expected to do, wanted to do, but didn't get to do because God said, I, I want to show you a principle that when you create an atmosphere conducive to miracles, multiplication, multiplication, there will be more miracles and more miracles and more miracles because that multiplication process creates a hunger in people's hearts that opens space to say, God, I expect you to do a miracle. And it's the ex expectation, the faith, the opposite of unbelief, the opposite of unbelief. And so he's saying there was only a few when there could have been so many more. And so that's what we're after. We're after that our lives would be a volume in the book, <laughs> the books that the world can't contain, these supernatural stories that God wants to tell in my life and in your life. If we'll just have the expectation that he want, what he's written about for you and for me. Here's the principle another way in Isaiah chapter 55. And if you, um, have, uh, if you can remember your, your uh, elementary school uh, science, of the water cycle, remember? The, the, the little picture of the rain coming down. And then, you know, they would go into streams and rivers and out to the ocean. And then it evaporates. The hot sun comes and evaporates it. And it goes back up. And then there's rain. And then there's, and, and so on and so on and so on. And so like there's, there's this perpetual water cycle that keeps the world alive. And without, you got to get this. <laughs> you got to get this. Oh, you got to get this. Without their perpetual water cycle, this mysterious multiplication of water, it seems, that it's like the water disappears in the ground and goes nowhere, but it's, 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 it's the water's on assignment. The water's on assignment from heaven. And, and, and the water comes out of the heavens and it comes to the earth on assignment. And, and it, it brings forth food, things to grow and food so we can eat it and then back to the ocean, and then it, it just keeps going. God said, now you've got to understand this. I created this to show you something. It's not just a cool science experience. It's a principle. It's a kingdom principle. And in the natural first, and then in the spiritual Bible says, now you've got to get this. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground and water the earth. We go, okay, check. I understand rain waters the earth. 
they cause the grain to grow. So in water is the causational effect that if you put seed there, it doesn't grow. Nothing happens. The potential is there. There is the potential for fruitfulness and growth. But the potential is not unlocked until heaven touches it. you got to get this. We have the potential every time we gather. Our lives are full of the Word of God. Our lives are full of the seed and the potential of what God's Word says. But if it's not touched with the breath of God, if it's not touched with heaven's rain, if it's not touched with the presence of God, the potential isn't unlocked. It's the presence of God that unlocks, unlocks the potential of the seed. Causes the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So we're the farmers that want to cast more seed. You eat, you eat a cob of corn. It only takes one piece, one corn kernel on a cob to produce a whole plot of more cobs of corn. Do you see the multiplication? God designed seed to multiply. When the potential of a seed is unlocked, you're not unlocking one seed. I'm good to eat for me. Very tasty. No, it's so that the farmer can be fed and the farmer has seed to sow and so on and so on and so on until there's not enough books to contain, not enough lives to contain what God is doing. I hope you're getting this. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So God's presence is for the hungry people, for you and I when we're hungry, those who don't know Him to be fed, but it's for our seed, the Word of God in us, to be touched in a way that it unlocks the potential. It is the same with my Word. I send it out and will produce, it always produces fruit. Remember, fruit, bite into an apple, it's very tasty, very good, but inside the fruit is the potential for more, a whole orchard. There's a whole orchard in every bite of the apple that you eat. I want you to begin thinking about the miracles of God and the Word of God and the presence of God. It's multiplication. It's not time and space, one and done. It's a multiplication in our lives of unlocking something that has been written in the book before you were born and God is saying, I want to unlock it in your life. How? With the presence of God. Now, understanding that, I think a question would be, then where does it start? Does our faith, does our faith um, unlock uh, God's presence? Or does God's presence unlock our faith? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. It's both. But God's the initiator. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. And so God is the initiator. He sends his word. We receive his word as a people. But not just for knowledge and not just so we can get fat on the Bible. We receive the word of God that aligns up with our destiny in God to unlock the potential in God so we can write, fulfill the books that have already been written. I hope you're following. <laughs> and we create a climate change. It's, there's no longer a spiritual famine in the region. There's no longer dryness in the region. 
We become the revival. We become the water cycle. We become the unlocking of more water falling from heaven. Why? Because we begin to respond and the water begins to trickle and run and it evaporates and it happens again and again and again and again. Acts chapter 3 verse 5. I want to stir you about the Holy Spirit coming in an unprecedented way. We're supposed to get ready for September, whatever that means. But this is part of it. I know that. That as your pastor, I begin to stir you to believe about your book, to begin to believe about your friends' marriages and uh, friends that are addicted, friends that have no hope. I believe one of the components uh, of what God is speaking, and, and I'll just submit this to you, but I believe that we're going to see a marked difference in our church and people that are gathering in harvest and people that we're in contact with in the area of mental illness, I believe that we're going to begin seeing Jesus do a work in the area of deliverance where God's Spirit is going to deliver people from the torment in their minds and in their emotions and set them free. I believe that. I just submit that to you. But come on, what are you expecting when we come back? Why not? Why couldn't somebody's marriage who's on the rocks be transformed instantaneously. Why can't cancer be healed? Why can't, why can't, why can't? Let's fill it in. Why? So that people would know. Remember? Remember John said, the reason the miracles are there, not so we can go, hey, I got a miracle. Not so that the news media could come and do a story. So that people would know. Moses said, how will people know that we're any different? The presence of God. What happens when the presence of God comes? It's an atmosphere for miracles that validates that God is who He said He was. We're creating a climate for miracles. In Acts chapter 3, and, and, and Acts begins with the, uh, the believers being infilled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming on the church. That's, you know, multiplying what Jesus did in a single fashion. Now, uh, so many books, remember? So many books can be written, your life and my life. And so there's a man that's been there since birth. And he's been crippled since birth. He, he can't walk. And so he has a life of begging. And he just figures there's really nice people that go to the temple. And uh, I, I, cha-ching, I, I really do well when I beg for alms at the temple. And so it says each day uh, he was put beside the temple gate. So whoever was looking after him would place him there on his mat with a cup begging for money. And uh, it was the gate called Beautiful. And he would beg from the people going into the temple. Remember, I'm just suggesting because he would play upon their emotions probably a little bit and, and hope to be helped. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So it's just, the context just is Peter and John are walking by him the way they would have every other day prior to the Holy Spirit coming on their life. Prior to the presence unlocking a potential that was within them that they didn't know they had. Because every other day they walked by Him. In fact, they were about to walk by Him now, ignoring He's even there. Because quite literally they can't help Him except to throw Him some money. So He calls out to them. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently. They're seeing him. Not for the first time. They've seen him before. They've seen him before. 
They've seen the need before, but they didn't know what to do about it. They saw his condition before, but they didn't know how they could help. And sometimes we get to the point where we become so numb and cold to needs around us, quite frankly, because we want to help, but we don't know how. And on that day, they looked at him intently. Their eyes, not their physical eyes, but their new eyes, their unlocked eyes. They looked into the book that said, I want to do God speaking a miracle in this man's life. And they looked at him intently. And Peter said, now look at us. Because the man's head was down, just waiting for another installment of money. I want you to look at us. We want to love you today. We want you to see our eyes today. We want to care about you today because there is one greater than us that loves you. And we are his ambassadors. We are on assignment today. We've been in his presence. We've been in the rain. And we know exactly what we're supposed to do right now. I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. I'll give you what I've received. I'll give you the rain that's fallen on me and produced something in my life. That's what I'll give you. I'll give you a little seed of something that I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come on, it only has to be a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, Jesus said. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Interesting. <laughs> the guy from Nazareth. The guy they didn't accept in their own hometown, but that we accept today. Get up and walk. And the Bible says he was leaping and jumping and praising God. You've got to catch this. Can you imagine when he went in the temple that day? Can you imagine the testimony, the story, the God story that happened? And there, I can guarantee, was a multiplication. And faith begets faith, begets faith, begets faith. But God is looking for a multiplication to start. What are you going to do with the fish? What are you going to do with your loaves today? What are you going to do with the little seed that you have? Are you going to allow the rain to fall on it? Are we as a church going to allow the presence of God to unlock what it was sent for? What it was sent for? What it was sent for? A miracle climate is created when we stand on God's Word and not past experience. Because you would say, Pastor Roy, I've prayed for miracles before and they didn't happen. I, I know, me too. Me too. But this water cycle isn't dependent upon our experience because I don't always understand that. And I think we can get so locked up in that. And I think we can begin reasoning that maybe Jesus isn't, or maybe it's not for today, or, or maybe, 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 maybe. And then we become like the Nazarenes and the people of Nazareth, and we begin to talk ourselves out of our miracle and out of our book. And what if it took a hundred prayers to get one miracle? What if he just laid hands and a few things happened? It would mean that unbelief was beginning to lose its hold. And I believe that, that we just need to focus today on, on let's get past unbelief and move into a fresh faith. Habakkuk 1.5, the Lord speaking to his people, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. He wants us to look around to see how much work needs to be done in the name of Jesus and be amazed about what the book writes, not what we see, but what's written in the books. For I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. <laughs> wow, it's so great what he wants to do. A miracle climate. 
but we've got to deal with our disappointments from the past. And I'm going to ask you can, that you just draw a line in the sand. I know I have them, you have them, but, but I think unbelief, that's, that's the fertile soil for unbelief. And I'm not saying we make it up. I'm just saying let's believe in the atmosphere that unlocks potential. And if it takes 100 prayers for a miracle, sign me up. Because that's one miracle we didn't have. And then there'll be two, and then there'll be three. And I believe, based on the multiplication water cycle picture, we'll see a shift. We'll begin understanding what Jesus said in Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible. It's dependent on an expectation that creates an atmosphere for miracles. He begins the process. It happens in His presence. Let's begin believing. Will you believe with me? Will you begin to believe with me, church, that God wants to do this? He wrote about it in a book that we don't have access to, but it's a heavenly book that we have faith for today. Lord, we're not moving forward. That's our simple prayer. We're not moving forward unless you go with us. Would you bow your head? I want to pray with you today. Father, I pray for Harvest Christian Fellowship today. Those that are here, those that are coming, those that are not here yet, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you're doing this great work in our midst, and I don't understand it. Lord, help me in my own frailty. I, I, I don't want to present it incorrectly. Lord, I really want to present the intent of your heart, of something you're stirring in our midst that we're getting ready for. In all of our hearts, Lord, we have all of the reasons in the world to be like Nazareth and come up with all of the reasonings why. Why? Why it shouldn't happen. But I pray, Lord, that we would begin to shift and we would tell unbelief. In fact, I pray against the spirit of unbelief in my own heart right now. I take authority over unbelief in our church and in our region right now. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a replacement. Because that day in Nazareth, as Mark kind of showed us and under, underplayed the few miracles that we would probably rejoice in, but in comparison to what could have happened, it says that Jesus went to another village. He went looking for another town that would welcome him with faith. Lord, we say, we're not that village. We're not that place. We're not going to cause you to move on. Father, we're saying, as you come and rest your spirit, Lord, we're not moving forward. We're going with you to do all that needs to be done in this region to fulfill, first of all, what's written in my book. Father, I pray that every person right now would realize that there is more pages in their book. In fact, it is endless. The Bible says that there's not, a, there's not enough pages, there's not enough books, earthly books. In other words, this supernatural realm that we can walk in, enjoy, live in every day, it can't be contained in the world. But Lord, we can contain it in our heart and be ambassadors and be those that would come under its potential. I pray, Lord, that the rain of heaven as it falls, first on my life, Lord, I'm thirsty. Lord, I have a lot of seed in my heart. I know a lot of things about the Bible. But I'm asking, Lord, that you would ignite a fire in me and cause heaven's touch, heaven's reign. It says, we read it in Isaiah, it caused the seed to begin to grow. Lord, allow, allow a supernatural, Lord, a kingdom presence of God to begin growing at harvest as never before. And I pray these things today for those that are struggling. 
Lord, in their heart and in their spirit right now. They need that rain. I just pray wherever they are right now, let the rain of heaven fall on that thirsty heart and soul. Those, Lord, that are dealing with mental health, as I alluded to early, Lord, we don't have to wait for those miracles. I pray for anybody that's stretching their hand out like that lady did in the crowd, stretching out as they're watching right now, and they're dealing with uh, debilitating anxiety and debilitating uh, a bipolar syndrome, and Lord, things that are real, things, Lord, that, 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 that the doctors don't have answers for today. But certainly, we don't have answers for today. But I look at you intently in the spirit today and I say, silver and gold I don't have. But that which I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Be free from bipolar. Be free. Be free from anxiety today. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. And everybody said today, amen. God bless you. Go in the reign of heaven.